Chiefs have won it. They're going to the second round. This is the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. Holy Mackinac! This is Leafs Breakfast. It is indeed Leafs Breakfast here on First Stop. Aaron Karolnik, Carlo Koliakovo, the Toronto Maple Leafs lose game one of their best of seven series against the Florida Panthers 4-2 last night. Sergei Bobrovsky put on a clinic in goal. Matthew Kachuk was the best player on the ice. Let's welcome in our hockey analyst. It is our friend Dave Poole. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, gentlemen. I feel like it's a more digestible two games a night right now. When four yes. games are going on at <laughs> virtually at the same time and you're doing and you're working every night, it's like hockey overload and it's it's much, much more digestible now. Almost more enjoyable because you can sit, you can watch a game, you can tee it up for the second game, you can absorb everything, you can do your work. So this is probably as much fun as the first round is, it's overwhelming. <laughs> well, you, 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 you use the word you use the word digestible, Dave, and I think there's a, Toronto, a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs fans this morning trying to figure out how to digest the game last night, a game that I think the Leafs were the better team in the second and third period, but they did not start out well. And I think you can make an argument that Sergei Bobrovsky goalied the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is that how you see it? Uh, I thought it was a very well played game on both sides. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was one sided. Uh, I really didn't. And Toronto may have had a bit of an edge as it moved forward. But it's funny because when you look at playoffs, you know you forget you forget what you want to forget. And you when you play not up to your best and lose, or are you happy, or you don't play very well and you win, like happened a couple nights against Tampa. Um, I think in some ways it was a first game. And when you're coming off a first game, and it wasn't as much of a first game as normally is. I always thought the first game, as you moved into the playoffs, the first game of the next series was the easiest one to steal, Aaron, because you're still wrapped up. Like Tampa's Mm -hmm. still wrapped up in Toronto's minds and Boston's still in Florida's minds. And, you know, they still hate Brad Marchand. They don't know enough to hate Michael Bunting yet. And, and that wasn't as much the case last night. I thought the game got started pretty well. It was physical. It was nicely physical. There were some good open ice hits. And, and no reaction to those hits, which I'm always encouraged by. And that's one positive thing about this time of year. If you flatten somebody, you don't have to fight because it's playoffs and it's too important to fight. So I, I thought it was a pretty evenly played game. I did. And I thought as good as Bobrovsky was, Sam Snow was really good at some point during that game. Like he made some great stops that kept the game where they wanted it. And yes, Florida started faster on the scoreboard. And, but it's a pretty evenly played game overall. Yeah, Pooley, I think I totally agree with you with the way the goaltendings uh, for both teams uh, showed up last night. But um, Florida, I thought their first period, man, did they surprise me with the way they came out like gangbusters, and especially with the momentum they used killing those first two penalties. And when I look at the game, like how much different could the game have been if the Leafs actually capitalized on one of those two power plays, knowing that you know, Flores penalty kills operating at 59% coming into the game. And I just, I look at the Leafs game too, compared to how Florida played. Florida was more of a direct team last night, especially in the offensive zone where 
they didn't make it fancy. They didn't make it, you know, they didn't uh, overanalyze everything. It was pretty simple, low to high, get traffic and pucks to the net, and you saw the goals that they scored. I thought for the Maple Leafs, they reverted back to their old habits of, you know, in the offensive zone, especially on the power play, getting too cute again. Is that sort of how you saw it as well, too? Yes, and, and coming on the power play early, and there was a great scene. I don't know if you caught that at the end of the game with the 5-1, Paul Maurice yes. holding his fingers up. That was yes. really fu- really funny, actually. No yelling, no demonstrating at that point. Just a simple little measure of him holding five fingers up on one hand and one on the other hand for the referee's purposes because that's what the penalties were. But that is a point in the game where you have to get – had Toronto jumped out right out to that you know, one goal, even one goal lead at that point. Right. And – Early on, particularly for a team whose penalty kill has been struggling, that arguably gives Florida a little bit of momentum because they get a little confidence. They know how good Toronto's power play is. They take two penalties, and there wasn't any cashing in. And Toronto's going to have to get the puck more to Bobrovsky and cause chaos at front. You think of how dangerous Toronto is when their goalie's pulled and they get that fury going and that flurry and the puck is going to the net and you think like I, I was sure they were going to score to make it four, three last night because that all they were doing was throwing it to net Carlo and going again. Mm-hmm. And they don't do that early on a power play. They try and perfect it. And as much as you would say, you knew you did your scouting reports, you, you briefed your D and said, you know, you're getting a four check coming full force like we haven't seen in a while. And you're telling your forwards, you've got to hold up. You've got to get in lanes. You've got to help your D out. You've got to get low for those breakouts. Until you see it firsthand, you still have to react to it. And that's what they saw, particularly with that one line. That that Bennett, it's a strange makeup of a line for me, um, employing Nick Cousins essentially in a first, second line role. Sam Bennett as a first line center. And because you have to call that line, the first line, you can't call a line with Matthew Kachuk on it right now, not a first line. (laughs) And and they were so effective. And what cousins brings is the energy and, and the banging and the speed up front, but man, they got on the four check so fast last night. And it was like Toronto, as much as you say, you're prepared for it. And that's where you may see, I mean, you, you may see a seventh D you may see, you know, Gustafson is more of a puck mover, so they can get a little more mobile back there. But yeah. if he goes in, he's going to take a beating, too. I mean, you can understand that. Yeah. And you may see that as, as this series goes on. But you are right. Two power plays in the first handful of minutes. You have to capitalize and get the other team on the heels, and Toronto was not able to do that. Dave Poulin is our guest, TSN hockey analyst. You mentioned adjustments. Maybe Eric Gustafson comes in. Maybe they figure out something with the idea of slowing down the Kachuk line, which is easier said than done, right? I thought the Leafs did a really good job against Point, Kucherov, and Stamkos in round one. But if you're Sheldon Keefe sitting down this morning, Dave, how are you trying to figure out a way to slow down Kachuk, Bennett, and Cousins? It's not a conventional line to check. And when a team, when, when you, we played against teams whose other best player was a winger, it's really hard to check. It's easier to match up when it's a centerman because you've got him right off the faceoff. In this line in particular, it's not a line you mark as much on the rush. It's more of a down-low cycle line. And Kachuk operates so well below the goal line. This is an understated part. His, you, know, you talk about people's offices and you know, veterans being on the half boards. Kachuk is just great below the goal line. He's so controlling down there. And he frees up guys like Montour to fill space out front. But how do you say, are you going to, if you check... Kachuk, the problem is 
who are you going to check him with? You've got to be able to skate. It's so last night you saw an adjustment when when they went head to head with Matthew's line. That didn't work because Willie Nylander was a factor. So then they flipped Mar- Marner and Nylander, so they have more of a defensive presence. So when you're checking Kachuk, the problem is he's he's capable of taking you more off your game than you are him off his game. And do you get if you get real close to him, um, then you've got an issue with him physically. And if you get too far away from him, then he's got his space. It's a really hard line to check. It takes all five guys. It really does. And it takes the little switch-offs. And even if you think about the second goal, Nyes is trying to help out on the half boards, but then gets out of his lane going out to the point and and deflects that puck and it ends up in the net. So it's, it takes all five guys. It's an awareness of all five guys. It's not a classic matchup where you say, okay, I'm going to play this, play your best defensive line against him. You know, it's hard because you want him to play in his own end. So that's where you want, you want a Matthews to play against him. So I think it will be Matthews and Marner to get that assignment. Uh, I'll be honest with you. If, if you want to slow down Matthew Kachuk, you got to line him up against Luke Shen. I thought Luke Shen, when he was matched up with, with Matthew Kachuk, he had two big hits on him. And you got to let Matthew Kachuk know that it's going to be a tough night if he wants to get to the hard areas of the ice. And we he all did. know the how... problem is he's on the other side of the ice, Carlo. I mean, you've well, got a right, you know, and, and right winger, right? So right. that that's the issue is is down low. He operates in the opposite corner to where Luke Shen operates, and and that's that's where you get your matchup difficulty. And Shen was really good last night, but from a physical standpoint, but speed's going to be a factor with him. Yeah, and it just is, and you know that's where Bennett and and Cousins in particular, because Matthew Kachuk is not an exceptionally fast skater. That's not where he beats you right. with skating. But the other two guys get in on the forecheck so well. So it's hard when you're trying to match a right D up with a left a player who plays on the opposite side of the ice, a left shot, but he plays on the right side of the ice. What did you make of the game from Matthew Nyes? Obviously the big goal that he scored for his first, but uh, you just see this guy getting better and better, and now he's elevated to the top line. He's very comfortable. And, you know, and I talk as much before this all started, you know, we have the opportunity to see him in the U18s and and in the world juniors. And we do those games. And and so you see him, but you see him against his own age group. You see how dominant he was against his own age group and then the college piece of it. But it's as much my conversations with people down there um, and a couple of scouts from other teams who talked about him along the wall and his, his confidence and strength and think of the, the ability to make plays along the wall and in traffic. And even his goal, the way he cuts in in traffic, I mean, he takes it to the hardest spot, not the easiest spot. The easier play there would have been to go to the outside, um, away from the front of the net. Instead, he turns his back and takes it right to the inside. I, I like his confidence. I like his comfort. I like his willingness to try and make a play. And I think that's what we're seeing. It's only going to get better. It, it really is. And new line mates, new nuances, new speed. And he has to understand, and he will, that things just happen a little faster, particularly in the defensive zone. Like that puck goes back to the point. He's trying to help out. He's doing the right thing on the half boards. But by cheating down low, he gets out of the lane. And so he goes straight at the D instead of going to the middle and then out. So he would have been in the lane. And that's just a tiny little detail that he'll get better at. Dave, we saw the Selkie Trophy finalists announced yesterday. Mitch Marner, Nico Heischer, and Patrice Bergeron as the 1987 Selkie Award winner. 
I think you're very well equipped to answer this question that Carl and I were debating earlier. Do you believe Mitch Marner will ever win a Selkie trophy in his career? I think we expect Bergeron to win this year, but with him retiring, you know, the Andre Kopitar getting up there in the years, is there an opportunity at some point in Marner's career for him to win that award? Yes, there is. And it's not in a classic matchup sense. You don't get as much of the classic shadow matchups as we used to have in our day. You simply don't. And, you know, when, when Mario was out there, I was surgically attached to him in some manner and, you know, <laughs> line changing and everything else. But when I look at it, I'm a voter, and I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm embargoed on what I could say exactly, but I'll be careful here. Um, those were three excellent choices and three of my top five, I will say that. And so I, I felt good about that. What I look for is you have to kill penalties. Um, you, you know, you've got to have a defensive presence on the ice. Like I, I look at his sticks, uh, his stick position, his stealing, his festing of pucks all over the ice, offensive zone, defensive zone, and you know his ability to to kill penalties. You have to kill penalties if you're if you're going to win a Selkie for me. You've got to be a penalty killer as well, which he is, and and all the guys are. Um, you've got to play on a good defensive team. And, you know, and I factor all those things in. So does he have an opportunity to? I, I think he does because he's as noticeable defensively and plays a complete game. And you can't just be a guy who, you know, is good but doesn't kill penalties or doesn't play in some defensive. Like if you're up by a goal, I want Mitch Marner on the ice. Uh, absolutely. In every situation. And I want him hounding the puck and I want him killing penalties. And I want him doing all those key things. So, does a winger have an opportunity to? Uh, it certainly has been done. It's not real common. The, the person who set the original bar was Bob Gainey, who set the original selfie bar ahead of Bergeron, and he was a winger. And it would have been, uh, it would have been the kid in Dallas, Lettinen. Yuri Lettinen was a really good yep. defensive winger, a really positive defensive winger. And so, yeah, it can be done. It will be done. And I think Mitch Marner has an excellent opportunity to do it. Yuri Lettinen's getting a ton of play on first stop this morning. His name's mentioned. Well, he won a time couple shutout. of times, I think. <laughs> I think he no, won he did, it more yeah. than once. No, he did. Like, he absolutely did. Yeah, he was did, that so. good. Shout out to Yuri Lettinen. Big fan of his work over the years. Big fan of yours, as always, Dave. Thank you for doing this. We'll chat with you next week. Have a great day, gentlemen. Thanks. You too, pal. You too. That's our hockey analyst, Dave Poulin. Yeah, Yuri Lettinen. See some of those names. John Madden won the Selkie. Remember him from New Jersey? Yeah. He was a hell of a defensive forward, too. He won a ton of draws for those Devils teams back in the day. Patrick Elias. He was a staple yeah. of defense <laughs> with that Devils team. You're listening to the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. To hear more of First Up, tune in weekday mornings from 6 till 10. This is the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. Bless you, boys! So we'll start on a positive note, because hey, A.B., it was round two, man. And, and it was an L. It was a 4-2 loss for, for the Buds on home ice. But, but Toronto got its first taste of second round playoff action for the first <laughs> time in 20 years. There was a lot of action downtown. Um... Like the the whole Maple Leaf Square thing was was going down right to the Delta, two full blocks. It was the most miserable weather of all time last night downtown. So shout out to Leafs Nation for showing up and showing out 
uh, despite the the crappy weather. Well, that's what I think is just absolutely outstanding. That Leafs Nation, despite it being literally like a monsoon at times last night, and it was not. Fun. Yeah, it it was just constant rain the entire night. Like when I r- showed up to the rink, and then when I left the rink, yet still tons of people out there celebrating. Unfortunately, did not get the win. But you know, I thought Toronto played. They, like, I thought they played well, you know. I, 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 Better than a lot of games that they won in that Tampa series. Well, yes, I think you could definitely make that uh, make that argument. That I mean, if you look at the like deserve to win o meter, I, I think Toronto was like seventy percent deserved to win that game. Here's the problem: they, they just they couldn't finish. Like they had a lot of good looks and some good opportunities, but Brovsky decided to kind of turn the clock back and look like his Vesna self again. I made the joke that I was like, "Hey guys, I found uh, Andre Vasilevsky. He's." Impersonating this Sergei Bobrovsky fellow in uh, in a Florida Panthers uniform. That was a good tweet. He was he was outstanding last night. Jay on SC picked it up. Ended up getting a little bit of plug oh, from Jay on right. It sure did. Bless Jay. But uh, he was he was outstanding last night. And Makachuk's going to be a problem here. Makachuk's going to be a problem. They got to figure out a way to slow down that guy because he was doing whatever the hell he wanted. Whatever he wanted on the ice last night. Yeah, three assists for Makachuk. We we talked about him a lot yesterday, and he was. The factor that you expected him. Oh, that felt blasphemous. I was going to say anyone else like, the factor no. on this show. He was he was the I don't know. He was the Matt Kachuk we were expecting him to be from his actual play. Three assists last night. He was a major factor on the score sheet, but he was in it all night. He after Florida got their first goal, he was right out front of the Leafs bench chirping. Awesome picture that that Corwin took of that little moment, that exchange when Kachuk was over at the benches, John. He was ripping Matthew Nyes for tipping that second goal in the net. He was <laughs> ripping him, which made the Matthew Nyes response all, all the more sweet for him, probably, even though it didn't end up um, factoring into a win. But but Kachuk was, as advertised last night, playoff Kachuk is is just and, a, another beast. And what, what I think is... Not troubling, but like they were physical on him too. Like they stepped up a couple of times and were trying to make it hard for him to skate through the ice. And like Luke Shen laid him out pretty early in the game, and then Jake McCabe came and put a nice lick on him at some point. And he's just playing through it, playing through all that contact, and you know, still able to make plays. He's still going to where he needs to go, still winning a whole bunch of puck battles down low, and then finding contact. seams like, like blown the heck up. He did. He got blew up twice. Ended up on his ass twice in that game, but it didn't matter. He's just like, all right, you want to do that? Go ahead, take yourself out of position so you can make a statement. But guess what? I had to puck up to my guy. And guess what happened? We ended up scoring some goals here. So. Yeah, that's what, that's a good point because I like. You know, we appreciate a little meathead hockey here on Leafs Lunch. Like, it was big hits from Shen. There was one from Morgan Riley that was huge. Yeah. I don't know when I've seen Morgan Riley lay a hit like that. Uh, and from Jake McCabe as well. But to the point you were just making, yeah, Jake McCabe took himself right out of the play to make one of those big hits. Uh, it ended up resulting in, in a goal on the delayed penalty there. And then there was another instance later in the period where uh, maybe it was in the It was the Verhaggy period. goal that I think that ended up costing them the Verhaggy goal to make it 3-2. Because he yeah. laid the big hit, then kind of jumped up into the play, and then he found himself out of position. Brody made a, a, a bad read in the neutral zone. All of a sudden, Verhaggy able to slip through the mall, and he's in all alone and makes it 3-2 after the Leafs had finally, you know, taken advantage and gotten that the crowd back into it. Because right. the crowd, like we were both in the building last night, the crowd was electric at the start. Like they were singing O Canada, there was Go Leafs Go chants, and, you know, the Leafs, 
they came out well. I thought that their start was actually pretty good. I don't I, even know if I'd say pretty good. Their start was electric. I mean, they drew a Drop couple of, of penalties. Puck, like, yeah. They were having their, they were doing what they wanted in Florida zone to start the game. The first six minutes of the game. Uh, things really didn't. Things really changed momentum-wise when they didn't capitalize on either one of those power plays. And that's the problem, right? You get four power plays, five yeah. power plays, and you don't finish on those. Like you get your opportunities, and then you don't get a chance to to score. Now, granted, you got to give a lot of credit to to Bobrovsky because that guy, like. <laughs> He made a couple of blockers. Like that blocker was legitimately ten feet wide last night. And they were targeting it too. Right, they were. Like Austin Matthews had a shot from the slot in the first period that went off the blocker, and it was it was aimed for the top corner. And that guy somehow able to just chuck it out there and get a stop on it. And look, I thought Austin Matthews played well last night. He had some looks. He didn't get on the scoreboard. And I think ultimately that might be that's probably the big difference between the win and the loss last night between Toronto and 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 Florida. I think they both both sides played well in terms of their big boys, but I think that the Florida their big players, their best players were just a little bit better than Toronto's best players, and they were finishing right. You had Makachuk who ended up with three assists. They were so they were finishing there, and then you ended up having Bobrovsky stand on his head last night. And he was phenomenal, made some big-time saves, especially late in that game when Toronto was really pushing. Like I saw, he made like eight saves in the final two and then some odd change seconds and legitimately, or two in, in a, like two minutes and 30 seconds or something like that. And like four of them, five of them, were like high-danger chances, like right out in front, and he's just able to gobble it up. Lost his stick, still made an unreal glove save. It's like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, is this the Bobrovsky that we're going to see in this series? You I get know. through Tampa Bay, and all of a sudden, Leafs fans are thinking to themselves, like, okay, there's a little bit of an easier path here. And there's no more scary goalies, or there shouldn't be. Well, like, Bobrovsky <laughs> is the only guy left that has a Vesna and, and has in the that East, kind of pedigree. For sure. Yeah, you're right. In and, the East. Because Jake Ottinger is still a, a stud. Sorry, Gave up yeah. a lot last night, but I could still stud. Yeah, but the only one with Vesna pedigree, the only guy who, who really feels like a boogeyman, a true true proven boogeyman uh and he hasn't looked like that in a long time no. last night he did and i guess he started to get hot towards that florida series or uh, towards the end of that boston I, series rather i got a question for you though because you know it, it felt like the sky was falling after game one in the first round right they got they got pummeled against tampa bay and they just didn't play well at all they were so flat like how different does the loss feel in this game one against florida than it did in the game one against Tampa, like, do you feel like it's different? Is your is your concernometer a little bit lower than it was after round one's loss? Much, and and yeah. that probably speaks to the kind of loss it was. Like they were terrible in that first game versus Tampa Bay. Or last night they were pretty good, didn't capitalize. Bobrovsky was excellent last night, though. I, I will say that, like, there was a lot of those shots that were high danger chances that ended up right in the Florida Panthers logo, right on his pads, right in his glove. Those last five, ten minutes, A.B., he was brilliant and stunning, and that toe save on, on William Nylander was, oh. was vintage. But there were a lot of moments, I think, where the Leafs made him look a little bit better, and he was a little lucky. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would, uh, would agree with you. And William Nylander, the amount of times that that guy would – break into the zone with some speed, and then just pull up last night. I want to rip my hair out. Well, it was Bill from Calgary. I looked over at you one point during that game, and I said, like, where has that guy been? There's William. Because yeah, he There's finally, Willie Stiles. like, late in the third period when the pressure got high, they're down by two and they need a goal, he takes the puck to the net. But he had, like, four or five great chances and opportunities to take the puck. There was the one where he literally went, put someone in a spin zone, and the defenseman just, like, falls out of, like, 
controller was dropped or something. The controller went dead. Yeah. Dude was out of the play, and he's looking, and he's like around the faceoff dot, no one in sight, and instead of taking the puck right to the net, could have took it probably across the face of Bobrovsky and stuffed it in. Instead, he's looking for an outlet pass, yeah. looking for the trailing man. It's like, what are you doing? Like, take take it to the net. Take some charge. Get, be, some, be assertive. Like, when Nylander is at his best, that is what he's doing, right? He's got those knees bent. Knees puts his bent. shoulder down, and he takes the puck to the net. He takes it across the goal mouth, and he scores in tight. When he's kind of playing passive and he's playing perimeter, that's kind of the night that we get out of William Nylander. And look, Ray Ferraro was on overdrive last night, and he said, Bill Nylander can be the X factor in this series. There's not a lot of teams that are lucky enough to have their kind of secondary guy after, you know, Matthews and Marner to be as skilled as William Nylander. Like, he's almost as good as most people's first option. That's a 40-goal scorer this year. How many teams can Willie Stiles is, not Bill from Calgary, though. Willie Stiles, exactly. But, like, how many teams can say, like, yeah, my third best player is a 40-goal scorer? Not a lot, right? But, like you said, Bill from Calgary showed up last night. Not, not... Will Nye, the wrist shot guy, not Will Nye, not Bill Nye. It was Bill from Calgary, and it's it's really unfortunate because he does have a chance to really be an X factor here. But when he's playing that perimeter game, I don't know if, if he's hurt, if he just was playing a little bit timid last yeah, night. He but does that every once in a while. There was I don't know. There was just something about him last night where I really just what was frustrated, wanted to pull. It. I looked at you. I think it was in the third period too. And he had an opportunity, I felt, that he had enough speed come through the neutral zone. He could have split the D. He got through yeah. that first round of uh, of neutral zone forecheck, and he could have split the D, I felt. And he didn't, unfortunately. He just kind of dumps it in and allows you know his teammates to go in after it. But I thought that there was an opportunity for him to be assertive and take it to the net. We didn't see it at all in last night's game. One time we saw it at the end when it was a little bit too late. And yeah. you know, at the end when he had that one chance from bunting on the cryosize feed, Great stop by Bobrovsky, obviously. But let's let's start that in the first period there, Will. Exactly, you know? exactly. And that might just be a microcosm of kind of how last night went. Because I think once, so, so Toronto was imposing their will. The first five or so minutes of the game, they don't capitalize on either one of those power plays. Yep. Uh, and the momentum shifts in, in Florida's favor. But do you think that... I don't know, when they weren't getting the, the looks that they wanted, when they didn't capitalize on that first power play, on those first two power plays, did they start to get a little cute? Like, there was a little bit of cuteness that they reverted back to that, that we didn't see with this Leafs team versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, like, they're just trying to a set up for that perfect play. couple extra passes in the Ozone. Yeah. Like, the tip play that you they had versus Tampa was so was so glorious, and we didn't see that much last night. How many shots did uh, DeMorgan Riley have last night? Shot attempts. I'm 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 gonna Not look sure. I'm gonna look that up. But how many shot attempts he had last night? Because what we saw on the power play and, and even at five on five when he and not to say that Riley had a bad game. I thought that Riley, you know, was still assertive and he jumped up into the rush well. Definitely. But on the power play in particular, to your point, it seemed like they were doing those passes. And I know that the book on Vasilevsky was shoot from high, so it kind of worked into the favor of having the defenseman shoot it from the point and then just try and get a tip. But if that was working for, for you, I'm sure that probably would also work on Bob, Bob yeah, Bobrovsky. Like nobody... I just getting traffic and getting you know sticks on pucks is just going to work in general. So I think if he could have had a couple more shots or some shot attempts from the point instead of passing it off, maybe they would have had a little bit more success. I think they were getting a little too cute and looking for that perfect play. Yeah, there wasn't that much traffic in, in front for Toronto last night. Again, the way that they played in the Tampa series. Um 
Yeah, I mean, like, there just wasn't as much traffic. There there wasn't as much shooting from the point, and it, it didn't lend very well. But, again, on Bobrovsky, it, he was always making that first save. I said this to you during the game last night, too. He yeah. was always going to make that first save, but he was allowing for some rebounds that there just wasn't anybody mucking it up in front to, to capitalize on any. Yeah, there's a couple of, like, blow-bys. Especially in the first. A couple blow-bys by Toronto. Got to give credit to, to Florida, though. They did a good job of tying up guys, tying up sticks, not allowing that extra, you know, second for them to get a tap in. Um, so that's that. That's part of it as well. Like, Florida, you got to tip your cap. I thought they played a really good game. You know, like, that was, that was a solid game from both sides. Like, that was a really entertaining game. It was high event. Totally. Uh, there were some big booming hits, and there were some really nice goals throughout the, the game as well. So that was a, an entertaining game from, you know, just a fan perspective, obviously. It was run and gun but that first period. Like, we're going to have Chris Shelton on in a few how minutes. How different does this series feel like it's I mean, we talked about that going into the game. How yeah. different of a feel we thought it would have than the Tampa series where everything was so tight. Nothing was happening through the neutral zone. And then all of a sudden, you get into this game. And the first little bit, Toronto, no problems getting through the neutral zone, getting set up. Now, again, run into a hot goaltender. And it doesn't matter how much ozone time you have. If you're not putting pucks in the back of the net, don't really matter. But still, it's, it's a lot different. Things are a lot more open. There's space out there for guys to work. But they got to finish. That, that ultimately has got to be the biggest thing. Um, the biggest difference between a win and loss last night, I think, is them capitalizing on those opportunities and, and finishing and putting more pucks in the back of the net. Yeah, absolutely. That that was the difference, just uh, being able to capitalize. And, and Florida's big boys were, and Toronto's didn't last night. You're listening to the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. To hear more of Leafs Lunch, tune in weekdays from noon till 2. This is the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. Uh, Actor, comedian, producer, also co-host of the smash hit podcast Smartless, uh, and a big Leaf fan here is Will Arnett. How you doing, Will? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, fellas? We're doing right. well. I mean, we, we were better yesterday before game one, right? The Leafs, you know, dropped game one last night. But all in all, positive vibes up here in Toronto. Uh, how are you feeling about your Leafs? Well, yeah. I mean, that was uh, obviously not the game one that anybody, uh, that any Leaf fan wanted. Um, but, uh, you know, we had our chances, came back, tied it up, and then, you know, it, it, it was such a classic just hockey game. Anything, anything can happen. Got some bad bounces. And they're a team that evidently was pretty good at uh, capitalizing on mistakes. Yeah, I, I think it, they didn't have their A stuff. But uh, take us back. I mean, our listeners want to know, and obviously you're a storied Leaf fan, but where does that start? How long have you been a Leaf fan? And, and how deep does your fandom run? Well, uh, I mean, I'm no more of a Leaf fan than anybody else uh, other than, you know, born and raised in Toronto. Uh, So I've been a Leaf fan ever since I've known about the concept of hockey. Um, And, you know, I just my entire life, I remember uh, I was talking about this with a friend of mine the other day about when the Leafs lost to the Habs in the late 70s in the playoffs. Um, And... uh, God, I'm going way back. I forget what year it was. I'm usually good with years. I think it was 77 or 78, so I was like seven or eight years old. And uh, I remember Tiger Williams got a penalty, 
and uh, the Habs went on the. Uh, anyway, we got swept anyway, so it didn't really matter. But I remember my dad, like I was inconsolable, just crying as a kid. <laughs> um, and I've been um, so I've said I've shed a few tears over the years for sure. Um, and but I never like a. I think being a Leaf fan, what what it does give you is a sense of uh, optimism, maybe unwarranted optimism. Uh, but I've had it for a long time, and I think it's really helped me in life. Uh, I'm, and it sounds like I'm joking, but I'm I'm kind of not. Which is, you can have a great season and then bow out, and the ability to dust off and get back and try again next year, which they've been doing my entire life plus three years, is uh, admirable. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I think that there's, a, there's not to get too deep, guys, but I think there's a lot to learn there. Absolutely, uh, with Will Arnett. So prior to you becoming you know, famous, you moved to L.A., growing up in the city, were you a, a TTC down to the gardens guy? Would you walk down there? Would you, take a, would you and your dad drive down? What was your experience like going to the games at the gardens back in the well, 70s and 80s? I, I, well, first of all, Maple Leaf Gardens, I never uh, – I don't think I ever drove there. Always TTC to Carlton um, and then, you know – uh, maybe maybe go to friends early for a uh, pregame uh, or go uh, post game and yeah you know I, I so I moved to New York years ago first I lived in New York for for uh, the bulk of my life down here in the states and I would come back for games and then once you know everything changed we used to have to go to we used to have to find bars in New York. Uh, in the playoffs, you couldn't get forget getting regular season games. Almost impossible. Uh, there were a couple places, but we used to have to go and share space. I remember there was a bar that had that would had satellite, and uh, in ninety two ninety three when they made that run and when they beat the the Red Wings in Game Seven in OT, um, and then played St Louis and beat St Louis. That was all. Uh, we watched at a bar with our necks craned up with no sound on one TV. There were like 30 TVs and one of them, the guy put the Leafs game on. Um, that was my experience for so many years. And then of course the advent of all these hockey packages, they started putting out on cable and satellite here. And then, you know, now on, on, uh, online we watch, you know, I watch, and I'm, this is not an exaggeration. I watch every single Leaf game and have for years. Yeah, that's the beauty of having, uh, you know, Internet anywhere you can. Now you can stream the games, watch them. Uh, I'm sure you've got friends from back home or at least friends that are diehard Leaf fans. Do you guys have a group chat, and is it uh, does it get lively either during the game or after a game based on how the outcome is? Well, for the, for, for the most part, we, we've had, I had, I've had a couple group chats over the years um, with guys from back home, I've got some guys uh, group chats with some guys uh, here in the states who are just hockey fans in general, representing different teams. Most people know who, who I'm close with know that I do not like to text during the game. My dad, I really had to kind of um, educate my dad on uh, not first of all, you know, sometimes you watch it because you tape it, you know, so regular season. I'd be like, my dad would be like, unbelievable. I can't believe they let that go. And I'd be like, dad, I'm <laughs> two periods behind you. Uh, stop. And then so he knows better. He doesn't text me at all during the game, like rarely. Um, 
And then I do have some buddies that I do text with. In fact, last night, you know, I, I uh, for game one, I recorded an opening for Hockey Night Canada um, that sort of narrated this piece that they did, uh, that they put together. They did an awesome job. And uh, and then I guess Ron McClain, I don't get the Canadian broadcast, I don't get Hockey Night broadcast uh, during the playoffs down here. We have to watch on ESPN or TBS, which is fine. And a buddy of mine texted me, he's like, Ron McClain gave you a shout-out. Now he's like, Willie, you finally made it. You made it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like, honestly, I said to him, honestly, dude, 15-year-old me would not have believed that. Uh, that is amazing. We're chatting with Will Arnett. Um, I was listening to your podcast, the, the Smartless podcast, which is uh, a hugely popular and awesome product. You do that with Jason yeah. Bateman, Sean Hayes, two of your really close friends. And I was listening to the Gretzky episode, and, and you were talking. I don't know if it was before or, or during the interview with Wayne, but you were talking about going down to Ram- Ramston Park, which, you know, down in Rosedale, if you're from, from the city, you're aware of it. There's a million outdoor rinks, and if you're from Toronto, you likely grew up on one of them. And I think you had said you hadn't been back in a few years to go out and play. But prior to that, like once you became Will Arnett and a household name up here and everyone kind of knows you, they certainly know your voice. Like what's that like, you know, whether it's Ramsden Park or another outdoor, you know, rink in the city, being Will Arnett like the celebrity, do, do, do you get checked a little bit more difficultly? Like do, do you still put your <laughs> stick in the middle? Or do you, like well, how does that work? <laughs> you know, honestly uh, – I'm trying to think the last time that I played there at Ramsden. You know, it's been a it's been a number of years. Probably the last time I played, I think once for Christmas a number of years ago. I knew some guys who uh, played at Rosedale Park, uh, like over the Christmas break. I showed up there a couple of times, but. I mean, put it this way: if it were me, if the roles were reversed, I'd definitely take a shot at the dumb actor guy. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, right. I mean, yes. that's just low-hanging fruit. Um, you know, like, oh, here comes the actor guy. He really thinks he's a big shot. Oh, Mister Hilarious. Well, we'll see how tough he really. You know what I mean? Absolutely, dump it in his corner. <laughs> yeah, put it in there. Uh, so I'd, I'd be pretty slow out there now. It's It's been a minute. I haven't uh, – I think I've only put skates on like once or twice in the last three or four years. Was there a, was there a time growing up where, you know, obviously you were playing hockey and hanging out with your buddies where, you know, everyone dreamed. And, and the actors and actresses that I've come across in my career, all of them wanted to be athletes and every, you know, athlete wanted to be an actor or a musician – uh, was there a, a pathway where you, at one point, you either thought I was going to be an NHL player or wanted to be an NHL player, and then realized I'm really good at this acting thing? Yeah, I mean, honestly, there was never. If I'm being completely honest, there was never a time. I mean, maybe when I was ten, I thought, you know, like, holy geez, I could go to. What if I became an NHL goalie? Like, you know, like, what if I, what if I'm the next Mike Palmatier? Because he was my guy back then, and. But, you know, uh, that probably lasted for like three sort of fleeting dreams when I was 10 years old, and uh, and it never happened. And, and for me, I wasn't really good at anything else, so I, I, I kind of had to get good at what I'm doing because um, I didn't really have any discernible talent for anything, uh, which is really a bummer um, if you think about it. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I kind of, I guess... You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm fortunate uh, that it worked out because um, I don't know what else I would be doing, to be honest. Well, you're, you're doing it all out there. We're chatting with Will Arnett, um, actor, you know, producer, comedian, and, and again, your podcast I referenced, uh, Smartless, um, and I, I've heard a number of them, but the one with Gretzky I thought was really cool, and the way you guys set it up is really intriguing for, for a guy like myself. But we do a show, um, you know, there's three of us generally on this show, and yeah. usually we're all kind of in the know. Like, we certainly know who's coming on the show. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And the way you set it up was – uh, you know, Bateman and, and Sean, they had no idea who it was. By the time you got to the announcement, they're like, it's Gretzky. It's got to be Gretzky, yeah. and it was Gretzky. And I thought it was incredible because Sean admits he's not a sports guy, and, and his, some of his questioning was, was hilarious but also, I think, very appropriate um, from the outside looking in. And I'm curious why you guys, you know, go about it that way. Like, why that's your process to – I don't know if it's an element you know, of surprise yeah, or what. That's sort of the, the way we set up the show so that uh, that whoever's guessed it is the other two guys don't know. A, it takes a lot of pressure off the other guys to, you know, to do anything. Uh, maybe it's just, uh, I guess that's a different way of saying that we're lazy. The other thing <laughs> is is that it keeps it much more conversational because you don't come in with the predisposed notion of who the guy is, and you're not thinking in advance, like, oh, I should ask him this. Now, if it's, you know, for instance, when, when we had Gretz on, I, you know, of course, I was thrilled to have him on and, and couldn't wait to, to, you know, get him on the mic and start talking to him. Um, but it also frees those guys up to really have a conversation with them, um, and whatever comes up in the moment, whatever occurs to them, kind of comes to the surface. And, you know, that's I think that's the beauty of all, you know, when you have a great conversation with somebody, you run into somebody or you see, you meet somebody at a, at a dinner or at a party or at a, whatever it is. And you have, you end up walking away. You've had a good conversation. It usually comes out of a genuine interest and it forces you into really listening to each other uh, in a way that sometimes we don't because we're, you know, I know, and again, I'm speaking just for myself here, you know, how many times I'm in a conversation and I'm thinking like, I, I got to stop worrying about getting my question out or saying what I need to say and really just listen to the, it forces you to listen. Um, which is for me, uh, I, I, I could always do more of because <laughs> I'm always like, man, am I still talking? <laughs> well, we're good at that on this show as well. Uh, you know, growing up, um, uh, you know, you mentioned a guy like Palmatier, like, who was your guy or who were your guys growing up as far as favorite players? And then who is it now in today's game? Uh, maybe two or three guys that you either track or really like or either have crossed paths with or develop a friendship with or have met. Well, there's so many guys. Like, you know, one of, um, of course, you know, we had him on the podcast early uh, is my buddy um, Brendan Shanahan, and he's yeah. – the greatest, and when he was playing for the Rangers, he and I became uh, pals, and we had mutual friends from back in in Toronto, and uh, which is how we kind of made the connection. And we've been friends for I don't know, coming up on twenty years now. And uh, he's one of the all time greats, and uh, and just one of the all time great guys too. So I'm lucky enough to uh, that you know that. Uh, to have Brendan in my life, and and uh, and it's been awesome. Uh, in terms of guys growing up, um, you know, I of course my number one as a Leaf fan, my number one guy uh, of all time uh, is Wendell Clark, and um, that's my guy. Uh, my 
you know, like a lot of people, <laughs> number 17 is my number. Yeah. It's my lucky number. Um, don't worry, it's not on any of my passwords. So if you're listening out there, nice try. Uh, I'm too smart for that. Sure. But he is, but 17, you know, uh, Wendell, uh, he's my guy. I've long maintained, and somebody held me to it the other day on, on Twitter or something, saying, if the Leafs win the cup, I am getting a tattoo of Wendell hoisting the cup across my back. Wow. You're um, going to do that. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm going to do it. Okay. Um, wow. How do you think Wendell would feel about that? <laughs> You know what? So here's the here's the greatest part is, we've had a couple times we were supposed to do something. And we've uh, I've never met the man. Uh, I'm too nervous. I, I've met a lot of people. We've had a lot of uh, people on our show from all different walks of life, from all over the world, who've done amazing things. I'm a little nervous to meet Wendell because um, they say don't meet your heroes. He's legit my hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I don't know how he'd feel. He'd probably probably feel pretty awkward. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. To hear more of Overdrive, tune in weekdays from 4 to 7.